0: Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Well, good morning,
1: Real Life Church. We are so excited that you are here worshiping with us this morning. Whether you're watching online or you're right here at Kentucky Trail, we just invite you to jump up on your feet and let's worship God big together this morning.
2: weekend to give thanks, to remember what he's done, then no matter where you are, he'll always provide. Let's lift him up.
3: There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground. It's how truly sweet it is to trust in Jesus.
2: And thinking about this week of Thanksgiving and being grateful and what does gratitude mean, it's definitely the quality of being thankful and then returning that back to him. And we're going to do that today as we continue to worship him together.
4: Come on, real life. Let's give it a big this week. Give it a big for a God who loves us, who's here for us. Man, I just love this time of year when we can just sit back and reflect. When we can just focus on all the good. We get inundated with with so much bad, you know, anytime you turn the TV on, anytime you're scrolling around. But man, this week, I hope you had the chance to be with family and friends people that love you and are there for you and I hope you just had time to reflect on all the blessings from God this week. I know we are super grateful that you're here with us today. We're grateful if you're here with us live here in the room and we are grateful if you're joining us Real Life Church online. I know we got some online folks that are with us every week and I know we've got some people who are traveling, some people that are homesick, so Whatever your situation, we're just so pumped that you get to join us digitally this week. And we're going to give it up for you so you can hear us and know that we're thinking about you. So everyone in the room, can we let online know that we love them and we love worshiping with them this week. But hey, we're super pumped. You're here in the house today, man. God's got something great for us. We've already had a great worship set. I can't wait to hear a word today. But before we get too much further, will you find someone around you? Will you greet someone in your section, in your row? Maybe learn a new name. Make someone feel welcome. And then have a seat when you're done. However you're with us today, we're just pumped that you're here and I just want to give you some some next steps to take if you're brand new with us this week. If you're brand new online, if you're streaming it live, there's a link you can click right about now in the comment section. Go ahead and find that. If you're brand new in the room today, Uh, or maybe you just haven't interacted with us yet, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you, or you can also text RL New to 97000. However you do it, uh, a member of our connection team would love to reach out to you this week and hear your story and answer the questions that you might have about Real Life Church and see how can we be praying for you and your family this week. If you haven't ever had a chance to stop by our New Here booth, I also just wanna invite you to do that today. We'll have someone there that's ready to hear your story, put a name to a face, and we do have a small gift for you, just as our way of saying thanks again for being here with us this week at Real Life Church. So guys, Real Life Church is a church on a mission. That mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And if you don't currently feel like you're on mission here or or anywhere really, I'd love for you to do these two things. Number one, I'd love you to be praying on that that God will just open doors and make it clear to you where he has for you to put some roots down and serve and give and just be a part of real life change. And number two, I want you to find any one of us you've seen on stage or anybody wearing a name tag in the hub after this gathering. We'd love to talk to you more about some practical steps you could take to join us on mission. I know the only thing missing from the mission of real life church is you. If you haven't joined us yet, we would love for you. We'd love to walk alongside of you and serve with you this week and beyond. Well, guys, we do this until kingdom come. This is what solves problems. This moves the needle. If you will, when life is done when they're telling our stories someday we hope that this is at the top of the list this is who we are and this is what we do this of course is the gift of generosity this is what we are committing to do to be generous until all people know their real life and purpose in Jesus or until he comes back whichever happens first right this is what it's all about. So during this three-week series, we're in week two, during this three-week series, we just want to really light a fire in in everybody here in the room today to really just get moving and get generous in this season, to open up our hearts in a brand new, fresh way. So to help us dive into that and give us some practical steps, I want you to welcome to the stage Pastor Sean Petrie. He's got a word for us. Come on, let him hear you today. All right, Sean.
0: Drew ate his spiritual weeds this morning. He is excited. Oh, man, hope you guys had an incredible Thanksgiving. And uh, I just want to know, man, who's feeling blessed today? Guys, feeling blessed? Man, I don't know about you, but uh, man, I felt real blessed today with the weather changing, people out sick. And I was looking at my team going, man, thank God that I'm blessed for just an incredible group of people that call real life home and just uh, set this thing up every week so we can do this thing called, uh, called a gathering of our church. Amen? And uh, I was thinking about the worship this last few weeks. And, uh I know they're all like people out sick and stuff like that, but I'm telling you, man, when you get to heaven one day, you're going to want to come back on the weekends for this kind of worship. Amen. Come on, somebody. And uh, it's just inspiring to see what God does through gifts that people lay down for him and are are generous and serve God. And, you know, the thing about Thanksgiving, it's uh, easy to kind of overlook our family. Uh, It's easy to not feel grateful or just getting that season, and I was just thankful for Thanksgiving to remind us of, man, those around us and how much we love them. So I don't know about you, man. Who's thankful for their family this season? Come on. Because I know there's a lot of people like, ah, you know, you got you to find the good stuff. And, and if you couldn't clap right there, I do feel like, man, God's called you to be the change in your family, man. Yeah. I'm telling you, because some of you are like, yeah, it's not me. But I'm telling you, God is using you to change your family and change generations below you. And uh, I'm excited today or jump into the second part of this series, really, until Kingdom Comes. And uh, Drew mentioned it, but really we're going to be sacrificial. We're irrationally generous. We're going to lay down ourselves to further the kingdom. Like to move the mission forward until all people know Jesus or Jesus returns himself. And that's, that's the mission that God has put us on. That's, whether you know it or not, you're on that mission until kingdom comes. And this is such a significant part uh, of a Christian life because we were on the heart of God. So that's why Jesus came here. He, we're on his heart. That's why he died for us. And what Jesus is really asking us is for, uh, for God to be on our hearts. Amen? That, that, that's that's all about. And uh, I just want to make it really clear that, that God is not after your money. Uh, we talked about it last week in Matthew six twenty one, but where your treasure is your heart, we also. And uh, Jesus doesn't need your stuff. Amen? He owns everything. And so what Jesus is simply after, which is far more dangerous than your stuff, uh, we just sang a song, by the way, that said, we have nothing fit for a king except for my heart that I can give to Jesus. So I'm going to sing with my full heart to Jesus. The, the only thing you have in front of Jesus that you can really offer him to any gift at all is yourself. And Jesus is asking for all of you. And then your treasure is next to your heart. And so really it's like a litmus test. It's almost saying like if you, if you say you love God but you don't give, now eh, you're just saying it. But, but if you give, and I'm not just talking about financially, but you lay down yourself an offering, like I'm just willing, I have a surrender life to God, well then you're in where God wants you to be and you're on the heart, God's in your heart. And so I believe this is really a trajectory changing, really series. I don't think it's really about the money or the, the stuff or the possessions, Is about our hearts. And as well as things that really can change the generation of your family, it, it can change you, it can change the trajectory of the kingdom of God, it can accelerate around you. Uh, if you're looking around and you're like, man, God's not moving, I'd, I'd start asking the question, what part do I play in the movement of God? Am I playing the part that God has for me? And uh, last week we really dove into this idea that God isn't after your money. And you talk about this this rich man, Lazarus, and, uh, man, I, I was kind of on a rampage. I was really excited about that, you know. And uh, this this rich man, if you missed it last week, you got to go back. But I, I never made this simple comment that, the, the problem with the rich man wasn't that he was rich, is that he was selfish. They were selfish. He wouldn't even give a crumb. And I just believe when God gets a hold of your heart and you just move in close to Jesus, all of a sudden you're the type of people that can give way more than a crumb. Come on, somebody. Like we're gonna multiply the kingdom. All of a sudden you're not a reservoir, you are a river of God's blessings. You're a conduit, and God starts to use your life because you start seeing opportunities all around you to bless people and for them to see Jesus through you. So last week was a foundation to build on, and today we're going to dive into kind of a different area, but it's it's so significant. I want to talk about really four different perspectives of our possessions, of how we see our stuff, and really how we see things is how we do things. And the reality is it changes our soul and how we see the things that God has given us and put into our hands. Now, you might ask, why are we talk about generosity? Why do we talk about generosity? And, you know, so many people have a beef with, the, with, with church in general, like, all oh, they want my money, all they want my money, all they want is my money. All they want's money. Uh, okay. Uh, God does not want your money. Okay. Why, why do we talk about this? Because it's about multiplication of the things of God. Here, here's the route. This is for us in this season. You know, basically 30 to 60 days from now, just a shorter amount of time, there's this little place called the Hope Center that's about to open up. It's about to be full of life and ministries for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? I mean, you guys have sown into this. You've planted this. You've worked on this. you put this together. And there's something incredible about to happen. The youth group's about to move in. Come on, somebody. You're going to see that those, those teenagers jump into that building. All of a sudden, the gospel is going to be proclaimed to the next generation. Amen? These those kids are going to start knowing about Jesus, and they're going to start hearing the things of God. And what's cool is they're going to break into these rooms called life group rooms. And there's going to be someone in that room that's an adult that not only loves God but loves them. Amen? And somebody, you need somebody to know, love on your teenager, by the way, if you're a parent, because they ain't going to listen to you, right? But you might listen to somebody else. You're going to work the system, you know what I'm saying? And God starts speaking to them, and I just believe there's going to be teenagers and people come to Christ all throughout this building, and for years and years and years to come. Not just the youth group, but what's really cool is we get to develop leaders in this building. Uh, I'm really excited about this. We get to see our, our equipping huddles, if you serve on our team, move into this space, we're really like a, a one-to-small, or even one-on-one disciple-making, or we get to spend time with somebody else and develop them, and then send them out and reproduce leaders for the kingdom of God. That's something we're desperate to in this in this, this time of our church. And the reality is it's a home for our worship team to really hear from God so you come prepared to lead us in worship on Sundays. Amen. I'm telling you, you don't want to come. You don't want to come empty on the stage, all right? You don't. You'll just get burned out. And so to hear from God in a space that's really their own for the first time. Uh, our events team, uh, man, they have not had home in five years. So the homeless uh, team, come on, somebody. Uh, they've been scrounging through different people's houses and storage units and Barry's loft. Come on, somebody, right? It's a little dusty up there in the concrete shop, by the way. So we have to. You know, scrounge through, but they get a home, right? To to set up all these different things, and we see counseling ministry emerge, and people hear the gospel and life giving things that shape their heart. We played a part of that. That's that's what your generosity does here in, in this area. And until kingdom comes into Belton and Raymore, and Cass County, Amen. This is where the, that's being sown. And and the reason we talk about this in this season is because you guys the ability to accelerate. Uh, when you give, you set the pace. See, God does something interesting. He uses us. Now, if I was God, I would have probably picked something a little more reliable. Come on, somebody, right? Like, I know I'm not that guy. I'm like, really? Like, you're going to use me? And I fail so often. I don't feel like I follow all the time. I'm going my own way, and God has to, you know, pull me back on his shoulders and get me back in the flock. And it's like, why did God pick us? Because he wants to use us. And we get to play a part of the story. So I'm just going to ask you to ask God uh, to be a part of the story. Uh, we've asked God to fill the vision gap for this space. There's resources for our ministry teams. Uh, there's things whether it's audio equipment or different resourcing, uh, for our teams to be able to do the ministry. And I'm a big fan of when you serve the King, you do it with excellence. Amen. Good. I mean, I'm not an extravagant person, but I think there's an excellent standard. I think people should walk in and you may be picked up at real life and you come in. It's like, wow, these guys really care. Like these guys are really polished out. They, you guys really want to see God do something. And to me, I think that's how people walk in any space. Like everything speaks. And so that's my heart, and I believe you guys can play a part of the story. So I'm going to ask you guys, just to ask God, what part can I play in this? And to be faithful to that, and you know, honestly, if if you can't say, hey, man, I'm behind that, well, I would encourage you to get behind something, amen? (laughs) Multiply the kingdom of God somewhere, if not here. Play a part of the mission of the kingdom of God. That's the heart of Jesus. But your perspective on how you see your stuff absolutely changes everything. How you see things is how you do things. If I sat down with you and I heard your perspective, I'd I'd probably treat you a little different because I know your perspective and how you see things, and I'd, I'd be more cognizant of how you do that. And how you see your stuff changes what you do with your stuff. Uh, matter of fact, you follow your own perspective. And so today i want to give you three perspectives. These are all biblical perspectives found right from the Bible. And then I'm going to give a little bonus perspective at the end that I just believe is just the heart of God. And so uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. There's just a fantastic passage. It's a, the story of the Good Samaritan. If you, you know it, it's a very famous passage. If you don't know it, you're going to learn it today. But to get into this, there's an attorney that goes to Jesus and he tries to justify himself. He says he, he's a good person. He's followed law. does these things. And so Jesus says, hey, well, love your neighbor yourself. And he tries to justify himself, and he asks this question. He says, well, really, who is my neighbor? And this is where the story picks up. Who is my neighbor? He must have been thinking, like, well, I don't really know my neighbors very well, like a lot of people. Our fences touch, but I don't really know them, so they're really not my neighbor. You know what I'm talking about? I know my neighborhood, but they're not my neighbors. And that person down at Walmart, <laughs> no way, that's not my neighbor. And the person on the highway that's just making me a little mad, they're not my neighbor. The community's not my neighbor. Like, who really, Jesus? I mean, do I have to love everybody? Because really, dude, there's nobody's really that close to me that's not my neighbor, right? And so Jesus replies in verse 30, he says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away leaving him half dead. So the priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, make note, he actually saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on another side. What Jesus is making really clear to this attorney and to us is that the priest and the Levite were going down the road and just happened to see somebody beaten, left for dead. And when they saw him, they're like, hmm, not for me. I'm awfully busy. I got things to do. And because they saw him, they went to this other road. The reason they're walking over here is because that dude is over there. They're avoiding the interruption. At some level, it was like, well, if I stop, then that's uh, going to bother my kingdom. Uh, I've got a lot of plans, and I've got lunch painting and I've got things in front of me, and I don't have time for this. I feel bad for that guy, but I'm going to go down this side of the road, so I will have to deal with that. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, this is somebody you'd never pick to be somebody that ever helped. When a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where this man was, and when he saw him, Just like the priest and Levite. He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then put the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. He whipped out his American Express card, come on, somebody, and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any expenses you may have. Do even the more. Whatever he needs, make sure he gets on his feet. Make sure he gets new bandages. Make sure he has a clean meal. Room service to that room all the time. Whatever he needs, I'm going to take care of it. And Jesus, at this point, he locks eyes with the attorney. He says this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the expert in law, this guy was studied in the scripture. He said the one who had mercy on him. The one who cared for him. The one who stopped the one who bandaged him, the one who was unconditionally full of grace, the one who left his money to take care of the tab. Yeah, that guy. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I mean, he walked this attorney right into the corner. There was no way out. Like, everybody is clearly your neighbor. When you ask the question, who's your neighbor? Well, it's that guy that's bleeding in the ditch, and it's your responsibility to stop. And that's what Jesus makes so clear. So there's four perspectives, and these perspectives are so powerful, and they're really just generationally changing for us. And I really want to see you guys kind of go through these perspectives and raise to a level four perspective. But the first perspective is the robber. And, and the robber, in this is, is really simple, he basically says this, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. So what's this man's come down the road and he sees his bling, come on somebody, he sees his ring, he sees his cloak, I don't know if it's like Harry Potter style, I don't know what's going on, but he beats this guy up, right, and he says, I'm going to take everything you have, I'm going to make it mine, and he takes it. In this perspective, you're looking at me like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> I'm certainly not a robber, right? I mean, I'm not sitting next to a robber. Maybe you think you are. I'm not sure. You take a look if you're worried about it. Come on, somebody. There's somebody next to you that may be just a little sketchy. All right? You're all looking around a little bit. If you're a little nervous, this is your chance. We've got got security. Come on, somebody. Just pop up your hand. We'll come in and just remove you. I got Jody's back there, so we'll we'll find some more people. Just kidding. (laughs) I love you, Jody. Right? But it's but it's so easy to think, well, you know, Sean don't spend a lot of time here because I'm, I'm I'm not the robber. But the real, reality is this, there's a little robber in us all, amen? There's a little selfishness in every single one of us. Matter of fact, if you have a toddler, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like we're all born in a sin, come on somebody. And, and toddlers, man, they're born robbers, come on somebody, right? I mean, they just are. My little boy Levi, we were at Clearwater Beach last week, all right? And uh, what do we just? before Sunday last week. Right. And so we were on vacation and we we're clear water and we brought all these like collapsible sand toys. You know, we flew down there, which is really fun by the way, with the three kids and everything. Right. It's fun. And, um, so we got, we got to the beach finally. Right. We spent the whole day there and, uh, we had all these toys and stuff, but guess what? They weren't good enough for Levi. Come on, right? He's almost two. Dude's a, dude's a bruiser, you know? And so he looks at this stuff. He's like, cool, whatever. And he finds his way over to somebody else's uh, lounge chair, right? And he, it doesn't matter if somebody's playing with that toy, if somebody liked that toy. He, Levi's just going to take the toy, right? <clears throat> so he picks the toy up, bring it back like it's his. And we're like, no, 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 you can't do that. And, and this is the property law of a toddler, right? If, if I like it, it's mine. Come on, somebody. If you have it, it's mine. If you're playing with it, it's mine. If you're not having fun with it but could be, come on, it's mine. If, 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 if it's something that you liked in the past but put in the trash, now it's still mine, now you're mad about it, it doesn't matter what it is. The toddlers have to have, it's their way, Their thing. there's born robbers. Think about when they come in your bed at night. Have you had kids and you get toddlers and they get next to you, they jump in bed, I don't know what the deal is, they're like infernos, these little hot things, and they scoot you to the edge. You got one cheek on, one cheek off, come on somebody, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about if you have kids, right, or had kids, you. You see it all the time, and you're sitting there, and they don't rob you just of a night's sleep, they rob you of your very bed. They take the entire thing, they sleep diagonal, they kick you, you get racked. I've been racked in the middle of the night. I've been headbutted by my kid. I swear to you, I woke up this morning, and it was about 4 a.m., and I was like, Man, my neck is killing me. And in my pillow, they had stuffed a bunch of Barbies and toys and pens. I was like, What in the world is <laughs> in this pillow? And I'm pulling out, I'm like, These guys were hiding it so they could steal it tomorrow, you know, this kind of robbers they are. And as Oftentimes we're seriously, you don't even pack up your own stuff. You just go to their room and sleep in their bed with their stuff. You guys been there before, right? And I can see some of you guys curled up in the crib right now, sucking your thumb, right? Like cause it's so easy. Your kids just rob everything, right? Kids are robbers. You love it though. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like negotiating with terrorists sometimes, you know? It's fun. But anyway, perspective number two. I mean, we're not the robbers, right? We're, we're like a step above that. Like nobody in here is a robber, I don't think. Hopefully not. We'll find out. If you're missing something later. Call Frank, <laughs> the janitor, right, uh, the custodian. Uh, but perspective number two, it says, this is something a lot of people fall into, and this is really the perspective we ran into last week with the, with the rich man and Lazarus. And this perspective is, is really the priest and the Levite, and it's, it's really simple. And he basically said, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. The robber said, what's yours mine, stole it, but this person says, what's well, my mine. I'm just going to hold on to it. I'm going I'm to put that in my hands. I don't want to be inconvenienced. By the, by the interruption that's around me in this priest in Levi, they saw the beaten man. They didn't feel the need to help. Uh, they, they, they saw his wounds. They, they, they figured, well, maybe he may die, but I'm, I'm awfully busy. And the reality is the Bible says it just happened down the road. Like this wasn't a plain meeting. Like they didn't go out ready to help somebody in the ditch. Like they were just doing their own thing, and an interruption happened. And so often, this is maybe the biggest reason why people aren't more generous, is because it distracts them from their own kingdom. Like, they wouldn't planned on it. Like, they, they, I can't put my kitchen in. Come on, somebody. Like, my car's got some extra, you know, it's, it's not, it, it, I don't believe in really souping up trucks because I'm so, I don't have enough money to keep it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just breaks so often anyway. It's just a sinkhole. So I'm like, man, I just got to get it back on speed again. But so often, it's like, man, I, I I'd give, but I got other things I I'd give towards. And the reality is, it's, this is these guys are at. They're coming down the road going, I could give to something else, and I don't have time to give to this person. I have a lunch appointment, man, I got that steak. Come on, somebody. We have to, used to have a Ruth Chris in Kansas City, right? I mean, come on, Morton, this was the steaks. Like, I've got places to be. They're awfully busy for this beaten man in the ditch. It's so easy to do. Uh, last, uh, last day of vacation, uh, last Saturday, I was uh, at this uh, Florida Aquarium and uh, Diane was at a conference uh, just down the street. She was doing uh, a, uh, part of a, I don't know what to call it. Um, I was gonna say H B A conference, but I <laughs> messed it up. What was it called? AIDS Nurse Association. There you go. That's how much I pay attention to the conference, all right? So she's at the conference all day, but I packed up the the Airbnb and I'm at the Florida Aquarium. I'm homeless at this point, right? My kids are a little crazy, all three of them. And I had forgotten my phone, not intentionally. I forgot my phone back in Kansas City the Sunday before. So I've been the whole week without my phone. So if I didn't call you back that week, don't be mad. Come on, somebody, right? So my, my phone is gone. So I'm at the Florida Aquarium and I'm carrying around this iPad I have up here. By the way, it's it's a lot of fun carrying an iPad around, okay, when you're trying to, like, navigate an app or you're trying to take a picture. I swear, I, I had tourists wrists written across my entire body, you know what I'm saying? The only thing I missed them was a strap, okay? So I've got this in one hand, and I'm trying to clock. I don't have a watch, so I'm trying to, like, figure out timing and stuff. And I'm carrying Levi, which he's in that phase of, like, please don't ever let me go. He wants to be held 24 so. You're just holding him. You got the kids. You can see the picture, right? And so I get to that awesome time when you have your kids called, they're hungry, and I get to that concession stand, which costs about $1,000 a person, come on somebody, right, and so I get there, and you're in this long line, and you order food, and they give you this buzzer, and I'm like, oh, they can make me pick this thing up. So, so I'm like, okay. So I find a seat kind of as close as I can to where I'm about to get the pickup. And you know, you know I don't ever leave my kids by themselves because like I said, they're kind of terrorists. You know, they kill each other and they kill their people and all this stuff. And so I just kind of like stay close to them, right? Because it's going to get crazy. So I picked the food up. I left them all there and I'm getting ready to get the condiments and they're out of ketchup. Come on, somebody. If you were a parent you know exactly what's going through your mind right now. Oh, dear Lord, send ketchup, right, manna from heaven, because they're going to lose their minds. And they, they did. I went back to them, and they refused to eat stuff. They refused to eat their chicken fingers. They refused to eat their fries. And I so saw, I'm like, okay, this is great. So they're mad, upset, you know, just mustard, whatever, right? And so I, I said, listen, you are not gonna eat your fries. I didn't order fries because I was trying to save some money out of the thousands we spent. And I said, Jack, can I have some of your fries? And my boy, he's six years old. He looks me in the face and said, no, they're mine. I'm like, we're not going to eat him anyway. So now I'm like negotiating with the terrorist, right? And this dude, he's not getting up his fries. So I said, listen, son, I'm getting mad at this point because I'm kind of over it for the day. And I said, listen, I said, where did those fries come from? Who is the source of your fries? I'm kind of giving this thing right now, right? And he's just like looking like this. And he goes, uh, you are, dad. I'm like, you're right. I am the source of your fries. Like, I could get more fries, but I don't want to. I want to share these fries. As a matter of fact, I can buy all the fries in the world. And I look out, and there's this giant fish tank aquarium. And I said, I can fill this entire aquarium full of fries. At this point, all the kids are leaning in, like, wow. And they're, like, looking around, like, this would be so cool. And I said, I can make so many fries that we could drown in fries. Like, do it, Dad, you know, kind of thing, right? I mean, you can imagine drowned by fries, by the way? Wouldn't that be the way to go? It would have to be McDonald's. Fries, by the way. I don't know why those, those things taste so good. They are terrible for you, and you can only eat more than one. Matter of fact, I left a McDonald's fry out on my porch for six months. It looked better than the day I left it out. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, it is not good for you. But I'm just telling you, will be way to go, though. Just enter the golden arches of heaven, right? <laughs> just straight through the golden arches. What a way, right? And so after I tell Jack all this stuff, right, about, I gave him the spiel. I said, Can I have some of your fries? No. <laughs> I was like, my speech was to no avail, right? <laughs> like it didn't make any difference at all. But the reality is this, it would sure be nice to share some fries with Jack, right? It'd sure be nice to, to, to sit down and have a meal. And we often forget this about God in Matthew 6:20, when we said this a little bit ago. But Matthew 6:21, "For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we, we underestimate this so much, because we, we forget that, that God isn't after our fries. That God isn't after our toys. Like, the problem with the rich man wasn't that he was rich. It's that he was selfish. Like, he couldn't even share a crumb. Like, he, he missed the interruption. Like, that was the ministry. That was the work of God. Matter of fact, it didn't just affect his earth. It affected his eternity. It affected everything for that man. See, the reality is this. God can get his own fries. Come on, somebody. He can biggie-size those fries. You can't even do that anymore. They're just already big, right? You can't even get a medium drink at a at a place anymore, right? Which I'm okay with for now. I need to get on the water fast. You can see it's all good, right? But the but the, but the reality, reality is this: we miss out on this. The simple truth is that God isn't after any of our stuff or any money. God is after you. God wants your heart. God wants you. He He wants Him to be on your heart. He wants to know that you love him back and where you store your treasure and where you put your treasure and when you give to God, that says something about you. God doesn't need the stuff. God doesn't need anything. He owns it all. If he wanted you to have it, he'd already given it to you. And I'm not going to say when you give, you're going to be blessed with more material stuff, but you will be be blessed with the blessings of God. I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing more exciting than when you share your fries and you see God move through sharing your fries. So think about this, think about the the little boy in uh, the story of the feeding of 5,000. See, Jesus chose to use people, right? He used this little boy. You have these disciples that, like, spread the food, you know, like, they actually divide it out, and they're they passed out to everybody, and had 12 baskets left over at the end. But it all started because God used a little boy in his Lunchable, come on, somebody, his happy meal he gave to Jesus. And by the way, I'm sure this little boy didn't have a lot of happy meals sitting around, right? Like, that was his happy meal, and he said, okay, God, you can have it. And, and, and Jesus blessed it and fed all these people. And I can guarantee you that little boy, that wasn't the last time he gave a little happy meal to Jesus, because he was stoked. You'd imagine God taking something you gave him and then feeding thousands of people with it? Can you imagine that kind of miracle in your life? Can you imagine what it's like to say, dude, God used that. I, I sowed some season of this. Like, I played a part of that story. Okay, God, you, you did way more than I could have ever done. Imagine that little boy held on to that. That's all he got was, a, was a, just a little Lunchable. But the reality is there was baskets of Lunchables left over. Now, you can just imagine that boy for the rest of his life just trying to outgive God because he was forever changed. And there's something special when you share your fries, amen? There's something special. It's not because God needs your lunchable or needs your fry or needs your crumb. He doesn't need that. He just wants you. And when you hand stuff to him and he blesses it and he uses it to further his kingdom, you have something in your heart you can't get anywhere, you can't buy anywhere, and you can't have anywhere. And it's the joy of God, amen? There's something special when I walk in here every single week when we set this all up. It's, it's because I played so much, planted so much seed in this place, amen? Like, I, I get to see, like, the fruit going around all the time. I, I get to hear the stories and the blessing, even this morning as a, as a blessing. You know, God was speaking to me on this thing. I'm like, man, that's so cool. I get to play a part of the story. And I just believe when you sow seeds, you get to see it multiplying people's lives. You get to see life transformation. You want to share your fries, amen? Because you, your heart's with God. And you know God can use it, whether he multiplies it or not, it's a blessing. Like he's going he's to use it how he sees fit for his kingdom and his glory and his way. And you start seeing life change, man, that's addictive. And I just love being a part of the story. I mean, think about the, the woman at the well that God uses. And she, she has nothing to offer. She's a, she's a prostitute. She, she's kind of like, a, like they call a half-breed. Like she, she just, nobody would pay attention. It was like men, dogs, women, Samaritan women. I mean that, that was the level of that of that society. That's how it worked. And Jesus took a long route away to go to meet this woman at the well, and the disciples he, he sent them off to get beef jerky or something, you know. And so he he's like, hey, um, I can give you water that's uh, that never thirst again. Give you living water. And she wears this water. And he he leads her to the Messiah, which is himself. And she's like, wow. And the first thing she does, which is amazing by the way, as a disciple, is she proclaims the gospel. She knew nothing about the word of God. She had studied nothing. She is a Samaritan woman, but she knew Jesus. Amen. And so she picked up her water pail and then she said, Forget that. And then she ran to the city and said, I got to beat this guy named Jesus. She said, Well, you've met a lot of guys. Oh, yeah, but this guy's different. And she points to Jesus on the hill and they run out to him, right? And so, and then Jesus does his work with those people, but she proclaimed the gospel. God chose to use her. He made made the long route away to get to her. And when you start realizing that God took the long route to get to you, come on, somebody. Jesus had a lot of other things to do with his time, by the way. He could be anywhere, doing anything, making anything, but he chooses us. I mean, do we get over that? How can you get over that? You were talking about this earlier. Like, man, what is it, the grace of God? You can never get past the foot of the cross. You can never get past what Jesus has done for us. And so his heart of gratitude really came from God because God gave first, amen? Like, who am I that God would choose me? Like, who am I that God would love me? And the only thing I have left to do, as we sang earlier in this amazing song, is to say, God, here is my life. Here is my heart. You have my full attention. And if you've blessed me with much, then much is going to be required. Like, I'm willing. Whatever you want, God, is yours. Whether I have um, of a, of just a, a, a little tiny piece, right, like, like, like the woman right, that, that dropped it all in. And Jesus, by the way, was watching, which was interesting that he was watching the offering plate go by. And this this woman drops in her only coin into the plate. It's interesting that Jesus is seeing what's going on and knows the hearts of people. And God wants to play a part of your story. He wants your heart. He's like, dude, she gave the greatest gift. She gave everything she had. To know God. And Jesus says this quite often in the Bible where he asks people to give up about everything to follow him. And most people cross their arms and say, eh, not for me, not for me. Because what is greater than knowing Jesus? There's nothing you can give Jesus that's going to impress him besides you. Because Jesus came for you, amen? That's all he ever wanted. You can't, you can't not impress Jesus with your gift. You have to impress Jesus with who you are, all of your heart. You have to surrender to him. Now that the rampage is over, because that wasn't in the notes, you guys are so blessed today, by the way. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But this is the third perspective, right? Perspective one's the robber. What's yours is mine, I'm gonna take it. Perspective two is the, is the, the Levite and the priest, and, and what's mine is mine, I'm gonna keep it. And this third perspective is really the perspective of the Good Samaritan. And I just believe real life is full of Good Samaritans, amen? It's, it's full of people willing to stop, full of people willing to give and to help. And this is the Good Samaritan perspective. What, what's mine is yours, now I'm going to give it. It's, not, it's no longer mine. It's, it's yours, I'm going to give it to you. And this Samaritan, he sees this person bleeding on the side of the road and he couldn't help but think, like if I don't stop, this man's probably going to die today in this ditch. He's maybe make it two hours or five hours. I'm not sure, but I, I got to stop. I can't just walk past this guy and pretend I didn't see it. And so he takes his own bandages. He takes his own time. He takes his own oil. He even takes his own donkey. He, he takes him to an inn and takes his own money and says, I'm going to care for this person regardless of what it costs. I'm not going to leave this man here to die. Here's the reality. The priest and the Levite and the Good Samaritan, they all had the same opportunities. In fact, they had three things in common. Number one is they all solve this problem. They all saw the problem. They all saw the issue. They all knew what was going on. They all knew there was a problem over there. They all, secondly, had the opportunity to help. Any of them could have stopped. The priest could have stopped. The Levite could have stopped. But they also all had the opportunity not to help. But the Good Samaritan could have not helped. And the reality is, it's so easy not to help, isn't it? It's so easy to keep on driving. It's so easy to like, I know God's kind of moved me that direction, but, and you see this all the time, especially in, in ministry and leadership and everything. Oh, man, I'm going to give to that, and then it doesn't happen, you know. Even from a church perspective or a leadership perspective, all perspectives, right, where people are saying, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And it's like, okay, you know, but is your heart in it? Like, is it really in it? Like, does, if you feel like God's called you, then it's is obedience, or is it you just don't feel like, is that your Chipotle Bruto, right? Like, what is that, right? But if God is in it, it's so easy to say, ah, and it's just so selfish. Now, this rich man, man, he really suffered from it, right? We talked about last week. Like, there's a dude every single day out of the gate. That's a whole other level of selfishness, right? Like, this guy just kind of saw somebody and said, ah, you know, the next guy, you know, the next guy, he'll take care of it. And he walked on by. It's so easy to keep on walking because we have our own plans, our own kingdom. We're, all, we're busy. And also it came down to this, this heart that wasn't compassionate. What these priests and Levites would have ultimately said was, hey, if I stop and happen, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my time, and my money, and my energy? So you often make the mistake that eruptions aren't ministry. We often make the mistake that if it wasn't planned, then it that wasn't purposed by God because our plans are so great, right, that God would never interrupt our plans, you know. I mean, I, I told one guy, he he launched, a, he launched the same Sunday we launched our church. And he, this guy told me, he said, Sean, I want you to become part of our church and you could be a, a campus of our church. I'm like, that's interesting, you know. Like, because we're like a month away from launching, so I'm like probably not going to happen. But I love your heart. I love your passion. That's really cool. He goes, I'm launching with two gatherings right off the bat. Okay, man. I mean, I love it. I love that you're passionate about that. And I told him this. I said, listen, if I know anything about God, I'll tell you what I know. God always throws a curveball because if you think that you're going to sit there in the plate and line up on God and you're going to strike it out of the home run park. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to teach you something. He's going to throw it right off the edge of the plate, right? And you're you sit there struck out or going home. And this guy's like, man, you're crazy. I'm like, okay. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But just so full of pride, you know? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, who was gonna launch with two? Like look, this guy's really thinking something himself, right? We'll do it six months later. This guy quits his church, the church folds up, and he moves back to Arkansas. I'm like, man, like that's so sad. Like, really? Like are you missing the whole point of why you're doing this. I mean, the reality is this, if you're not willing to buy a grave plot in the city God's calling you to go serve in and plant a church, don't even go there. Like, was it too hard for six months? I, I can do a lot of hard things for six months, and planting a church would not make the top of the list, by the way, because you guys do hard stuff all the time, amen? Your jobs aren't easy. You do hard work. You put up a lot of stuff. Come on, somebody. This is your world, right? Like, I get the privilege of being in the front row of God. I'm not going to be somebody you sit there and complains about, it, amen? I'm just telling you. It's like, yes, it's hard work, but the reality is we all work hard for the things of God and the area God has called us to live in. And that was for free, too. I want a rampage. I don't know where I'm going on this. <laughs> It's going on rampages everywhere a day, man. But it's so busy not to serve, so busy, or so prideful you miss the very thing that God wants you to do because you're so busy pursuing your own goal instead of the gold has for you. That's where I was going with that. And that's perspective number three. Well, the perspective number three is that I don't have what I have is on your mind. It's yours. I'm going to serve you. But it's so easy not to do that because we miss it. We want to have the heart. I believe we have the heart of a good Samaritan. And then it's like oh. Christmas, you know, like all the stuff, everything's in front of us, We he's missed the point. But here's the thing that happened with a good Samaritan. Is he saw that person laying in the ditch. He, did, he didn't want to get calloused. You know, it's really easy to get calloused when you stop helping and you're like, you, you see it all the time with people. It's like, ah, I can't serve anymore, you know? And it's like, okay, there's a season you need to take for yourself. And then it's like two years later and it's like, ah, you know, it's like, ah, you just get real... Jaded, right? Well, like, I can't give anymore. It's always a sign. Like, if you want to see somebody that spiritually, just kind of check where they're giving or check if they're serving or check if they're involved in the life group. Because all these things happen and people get hurt along the way. And it's like, ah, I can't do anymore, you know. That was God reaching out right there. I like that. That's good. Need a word. But here's what we also realized. When you help the man in the ditch, you're not just helping his life be changed. You're helping your own, amen? You're helping your own. It changes something in you because you get excited for the things of God. Now, every time you give doesn't mean that there's some magical, crazy success story, right? I mean, let's be real. And we, we, we give with regardless of what happens, amen? Like, I don't get—I don't change people. That's rule number one. I don't change people. God does, amen? And I, I just lay it at the feet of Jesus, and I say, okay, God, do what you can do. God, use this how you see fit. And sometimes the first step forward is backwards, Right? But, but I just use that to bless people. And it's, it's so easy to get jaded though. And we live in a very jaded society and culture when it comes to helping people. But the good Samaritan, saw past that and say, you know, this is one of his opportunities. And he gave everything he had to help this person. But there's a fourth perspective. And this fourth perspective is really the perspective that I want to see you guys move to. You, you have this first perspective of the robber where he says, "What's well, yours is mine. And he steals it. And he just takes it from him. Then your priest and Levi says, it's my mine. I'm going to keep it, which a lot of people fall in this boat. Then you have the good Samaritan, which I believe we're a church full of good Samaritans. Where it's, what I, what's mine is, is not mine. I'm going to give it. It's yours. I'm going to help you with it. But there's this fourth level, and this fourth level just really to me is at the heart of Jesus. This is a level I want for every person in the room. This is a level I believe opens the door for really not just uh, your giving, but it opens the door for your heart to be changed, and it changes Generations. Like, it's one of those disciple-making principles. Like, when you get it, all of a sudden, you start reproducing people around you, including your family. You start seeing their lives change. You start seeing the kingdom of God move through you. And you start being an investor, a forerunner on the tip of the spear for the things of God because you get this principle found in the Bible. Now, I've been preaching here for probably longer than I should, and I'm looking around today, and I notice a lot of you guys are, are sharp. Come on, somebody. You're leaning in. I got a lot of amens. I not know about the second gathering. They get a little quiet on me, so it's going to be different. All right? But you get a lot of amens. You get, you're get, you paying attention. Some of you guys are taking notes. Some of you guys are, are logged on. You guys are super sharp. But I've also been watching to the person to your right. I notice they're not quite as sharp as you are. Come on, somebody. They're just a, a little slower. They didn't have all... There, they're not paying attention. I see some of you guys looking around, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's my husband, <laughs> you know. That's how it goes, right? You guys you guys notice what's going on, you know, you see that, right? And uh um, I also I also encourage you today with this principle, okay? And so I want I want to help you out, okay. I want you to look at the person you write and say, hey, don't worry, I'm gonna help you get this principle. Can you look at the person next to you? Don't worry. Come on, I'm gonna help you get this principle. Come on, can you do that? Yeah, they're looking at each other like, oh man, this guy's crazy, right? Yeah, you love me, it's all good, right? So, perspective number four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow this down, help you guys out. I want you to remember this. It's, it's really simple, but I believe it's so profound. And I want to also leave here going, man, that, that's, that's what I need to do with my life. Like, I'm passionate about this principle. So, principle number four. It's really simple. What's mine is no longer mine. I just manage it. Amen. Was, line, was mine is, is not longer, no longer mine, I just manage it. If you look at all your stuff on all your assets and everything you own or everything you're tied to and all your accounts, all this stuff, everything you have in life, you say, okay, God, it's no longer mine. I just manage this. I'm just a steward of the things of God. Matter of fact, there's an amazing verses found in Psalm 24 one. it says this, it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We own nothing, amen? I mean, who's excited that we own nothing? I'm excited about that. I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just a conduit of God's blessings, amen? And, and it's so easy to forget this, isn't it? It's so easy to forget what it's like to, to be a conduit because we're like so focused on collecting these green papers, right? And just making things meet, making ends meet. and I was just thinking about the thorns of the world, right? You get so much of the world and you're so busy, you're almost losing effectiveness as, as a Christian because we're so tied up, so choked out by all this stuff all around us all the time, all the pressure, right? Now, I was talking earlier about people being a little you know, slower on the ride and stuff. And I was thinking about to, a lunch I was supposed to have this afternoon before the Chiefs came. Come on, we're gonna pray for the Chiefs, right? They're gonna decimate today. But I was thinking about lunch and uh, Josh Gubley's in the back and uh, we're supposed to hang out a little bit after our, our teardown. And I started thinking about Josh and I was like, man, man this guy... I don't know if you know Josh, Josh is a really good guy, smoking talking dirt, but Josh is a little cheap. Come on somebody. <laughs> he's laughing, you know, he knows, he knows, he knows. I worked at the Hope Center with him quite a lot, you know, so I mean, if you could buy this side, he's hes not gonna step over a penny or a nickel, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm, we're gonna go to lunch and I'm like, I'll probably end up paying, I, I That's just fine. We all have cheap friends, come on, raise your hand if you got a cheap friend, right? I would love Josh, you know, we love him, we love him. But I left my wallet at home and I was there twice a day and I was like, man, I, I just know he's gonna ask me to pay and I don't wanna take care of him. So I was gonna see, because we're friends, um, you know, just seeing if somebody would help me out, like give me a hundred dollars so I'd go to lunch with Josh stay and take care of him. It'd be like that in the house. We'll help out. Look at this guy, Bill Hardy, come on, give it up for Bill. Look at it. they didn't know why they've been clapping right now. They didn't know what's going on. All right, well, appreciate that. It's gonna make a good lunch later, so. And if I have any, I'll give the change, okay, Bill? Yeah, sure. He's like, whatever, man. Right. So Psalm 24 1 says, okay, you're like, "When not this happen? Some of you guys are like, dude, that was the most awkward, weird thing I've ever seen in church, right? Why Why? why did Bill go up there and give Sean a $100 bill? And the question I'm going to ask you is, why didn't you? You're like, what? 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 No cash money. I like the result. I'm not connecting the dots yet, Jesus. Hold on, here's what's gonna work, nobody cash. I'm in 22, I don't carry cash. And here's the reality. Before the gathering, and now you know this, I set you all up, which you probably figured this out. But before the gathering, I went to Bill and I said, sometime during the gathering, I'm gonna ask for hundred dollars. And I want you to return to me what is mine. Come on, even the person who right can get that. Come on, somebody, right? Just a conduit. See, the reason Bill was so excited about coming up here, which he did take a little extra time than I thought he would, and I was kind of surprised he even stayed for church. I, I thought he was gonna leave, and I, my illustration was gonna completely fail, right? But the reason that he was so quick to bring me the $100 bill is because it's not his. He, he doesn't own this. See, he, he knew I owned it. So he, he was gonna bring it back to me. And see, so here's the reality. We start getting a little cheap on God. We start getting like ah, it's a little too much, and ah, I really don't have time for this. I really do to upgrade some things, and I, it's it's really a tough season, or I, I can't get to it. We start getting all this talk ourselves out of it because we start thinking we own this stuff. We start thinking this is mine, and th- this is the principle level four. This is what level four looks like. What's mine is no longer mine. I just manage it, and when you go through the list of everything you have in life and everything you own. And you go through a list and you go, okay, God, what are you do with that? Okay, God, what are you mean to do with that? Okay, God, what do you want to do with that? Okay, God, why'd you give me this? Okay, what, what do you want me to do with this? God, where's this gonna go? Who can we bless with this? When you start going through your life, you start looking at you as a conduit, as a river of blessing, instead of somebody that thinks they own everything, then you unlock the greatest principle of generosity. And that's what it says God loves a cheerful giver because I'm just giving back what is already his, amen? I'm just a conduit and God grows the field. It was a lot simpler when we're farmers, you know? Like we know we didn't produce the, the fruit. We didn't produce this. I planted a seed, I watered, I waited, God watered. I just waited and then God produced, and I give it back to Jesus. I give it back to God because he made this stuff happen. And everything we have, our jobs, our income, our stuff, our possessions are really just something that God owns already. And so we open our houses, don't we? And we open our, our wallets because God has given this to us. God has, Jesus, that was the worst. He has trusted us with this. We talked about last week, if God can't trust us with dead presents on green paper, how can you trust us with the true riches in heaven? Like, this is like kind of like a, a pre-race, you know? Like, like what do you, how do you manage this is really just the same as you're gonna manage the things that he has. And so can God trust you? And I believe this, when you get a vision for what God can do with your life, you get a vision really even for this hope center and the people that are gonna be impacted I love serving up there and just imagining the people coming to Christ and, and seeing these rooms filled with the people that need Jesus and people who need counseling and, and people who need hope and people getting restorative work. And I love relief effort and I'm a big fan, but man, this Hope Center is all about restoration. It's all about heart transformation and, and seeing lives change. And you said, man, I can play a part of that story. I, I can spend a lot of money, but I choose to invest it in the kingdom of God, amen? By the way, I, I just had to limit myself when I wanna buy things, because when I put it on myself, I always forget what I spend. But I never forget why I invest in the kingdom of God. I never forget about the kids that we, we sponsor across the world or forget about the ministries I give to or the personal people I support or this church. And then I never forget, I look at it and say, man, I'm so proud I gave that in that season because look what God has done through that, amen. And that's a story you can play a part of. And so for years and years and years down the road, that's called legacy, amen. You guys can write a legacy. And, you, and I, I don't I don't ask for an amount. I'm not asking, you just ask God to be faithful. That's New Testament giving, amen? Say, God, what would you, you have me to do? And I'm not talking about just what you have in cash. i just what do you do with my life? Hey, maybe you should downsize a little bit. Maybe you shouldn't buy that new car and invest some money over here. Maybe you should not buy the nicest house I can afford or the biggest house, I can be at this level so I can be generous. Because there's nothing more frustrating than being the point in your life where you cannot be generous. And if you're at that spot, we want to help you actually become financially sound so you can be generous, amen? Because that's where God wants you to be. So, reality is this. I just believe God has called us to be level four types of people, level four perspective. Money, it's not mine, it's yours, and I just manage it. I just want to know how many level four people we have in the house that want to become level four today? Anybody like that today? I will be level four type of person, level four perspective. Come on, just give a big shout. That's you. Come on, let me know. Level four. I know some of you guys are like, thank God, right? Like, just amazing. But God can use your giving. And I believe it's not because He needs your stuff. He just wants you today. Father, I come before you. God, I pray we would be a level four type of people. God, that we would move beyond even the Good Samaritan that just stops every once in a while. God, we would see everything. God, as an opportunity, God. That we give way more than a crumb. God, that we would see every interruption as really just an opportunity uh, as ministry. God, you brought people on our paths. There are people who need what we have, and not because they even maybe need the physical part of it, God, they need to know that they're loved. They didn't know that somebody sees them and somebody cares for them and somebody can get back on their feet. And so God, I pray you just bless what we give. God, I pray that you would use our church to multiply God. I pray that you would just multiply even the even what would seem like a small gift or insignificant gift or something that maybe is a, a not would consider much, but God, you would use that God for your kingdom. God, we pray that you get the glory God through our church, not because uh, you have our stuff because you have us. And so, God, use us to further your kingdom. I want to pray for one group of people, and that's those you realize that Jesus, man, he gave it all for you. He gave everything for you on the cross. He held nothing back. He held no punishment back. He held no sin back. He didn't hold anything back because he wanted all of you. And today you recognize that that's the kind of love that drove Jesus to the cross. He was thinking of you. And today you can do the only thing That's appropriate to stand in front of God and you see that is to lay your life down for Jesus and humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I need forgiveness of sins. I need new life. God, change me. And today, if you need Jesus and you recognize who he is today, if you need Jesus, would you just lift your hand high in this place and say, I I need Jesus today. I need Jesus to change my life. I see your hand, young man. Bill said, I need Jesus today. Maybe you're online. If that's you, just pray this prayer. Just invite God into your life and say, Father God, thank you so much for giving your best for me. And all I have to give to you, that's worthy of the King, is my heart. And so God, I surrender to you. God, I, I thank you for dying on a cross for me so I can have life. And now God, I serve you. You have my full attention. You have my life, you have my stuff. God, whatever you want me to do, wherever I'm gonna go, God, call me out and I will follow. God, praise in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give up to Jesus today? Come on, let him know you love him, our generous God.
2: Man, what an incredible morning, an incredible word, and a reminder of what generosity is. And I have a few next steps for um, a few of us and then for all of us. But if you made that decision today, raised your hand to say, you know what, I want to start my journey with Jesus today. We are so excited for you. That's actually why we do this whole thing. We set all this up. We have an incredible team that serves week in and week out so that people far from God can know their life and purpose in Jesus. And so if that's you today, you've started that journey, I'd love it if you would take out your phone and text 97000, or I'm sorry, text RL next to 97000 that's gonna connect you to a place on our website. It's gonna have you have some resources to start that journey. It's also going to give you a place where you can share your story with us. And our team would love nothing more than to reach out and encourage you as you're following Jesus and help you to take those steps of faith. And if you're with us here in person at Kentucky Trail, we have a table with red bags on the back. They have a Bible inside and a way to connect you on that journey of following Jesus. So I hope you'll grab one there for you and please take one today. Um, And then for all of us, I have a couple of next steps. Um, And Sean shared a lot about the vision of where real life is going. And maybe for a while you've like, I don't know if I wanna jump in. Um, But maybe today you go, you know, I wanna move from me to we. I want to be a part of what God is doing at Real Life. And next Saturday, it's a different day than normal, we're having our crash course. We really believe that's the best way for you to kind of get to know a little bit more about Real Life. Let us get to know a little bit more about you and your story of faith um, and see how you may be able to fit in and serve at Real Life or just to help you know your gifting and what God has maybe called you to to serve here, to serve the community, to serve and be your best to serve God. And so it is next Saturday. We're not trying to step on the toes of any Chiefs games in this season. Um, And so we'd love to see you, it's at nine o'clock, it's at Sean and I's house, there is free childcare. So please come out, it's casual, it's fun, it's laid back and we would love to connect with you there. And then the second step I have for all of us is Sean has talked about it. We're talking about the kingdom come. We do this so that God's kingdom can come. And next week we are doing our kingdom come giving. Once a year we come together and have a day at a time where we all kind of say together, you know, and I ask God, what is it that you want me to do? I'm not going to tell you, you know, get this percentage, do this thing. But I personally, and I'm going to challenge you to do that this week, ask God what he might have you to give to be a part of moving us from where we are at real life to where he's calling us to be because we can serve and we can give and do all these things. And you are, Sean mentioned it, a good Samaritan generous church. You make all this happen every week by your generosity. But we look to see, we have a big vision our staff does to see lives change, to be a hub of hope in our community. And you guys can play a part in that because we're at the ground floor and it's a fun place to be where we're starting to move forward. And so we have these things called a vision gap where our staff, And Sean and I have this huge vision of what could be. And we have the gap from where we are of the means to get to that place. To see lives change, that teens can walk into a place that feels like home for them for our whole creative team, not just our worship team, to have a place of collaboration to connect to the heart of God so we can express that, to see people come closer to him, a place where marriages can be restored and people can grow back to their own selves through counseling. We can have faith-based counselors providing the hope of Jesus in our community. We can have care groups and grief groups and divorce care groups. We can be a catalyst for change in our community. And it all starts with saying yes to God, opening my hands and saying, God, what would you have me to do? So I want to challenge you to think about that this week. Pray about what God would have you to do because I'm so excited to see as we do that giving together and partake in what God has for us, what will be because of the faithfulness of all of us here. And so I hope that you are praying about that this week. We're excited about it. And if you're new with us today, thank you so much for being here. This generosity spot is not for you. Um, This gathering is for you. We set this up for you. We're so excited that you're here and we would love to connect with you. Any one of us you've seen on stage, our new here booth, we'd love to do that. Um, But if you call Real Life Home, there's three ways you can get connected to generosity today. Um, You can go to reallifechurchkc.com. You can text any amount to 84321 or we have a giving box in the back. If that's more convenient for you, you can drop in cash or check with envelopes back there. And the last thing is this, our buckets are gonna pass by in just a second during the video. And if you or your family are in immediate need of food, clothing, or shelter in this season, please reach in. To the bucket, grab any loose cash that you see. We want to be a blessing to you and your family in this time. And so I hope you know how much we are grateful for you here at Real Life. Check out this video. Each year, as we reflect and give thanks, it is incredible to see just how much we can do together. Because of your faithfulness, lives have been changed by the gospel. Chains have been broken in Jesus' name and people have been set apart to serve Jesus. So this Thanksgiving, we wanna say thank you to you for the ways you've served, the ways you've been stretched, for the ways you've stayed faithful to your calling, the ways you've sacrificed, and for the ways you are seeking the heart of God until revival moves our city hope restores our community, and all generations find real life and purpose in Jesus. So real life, thank you. Your generosity is making a difference and we are just getting started.
4: Man, I wanna just echo that sentiment. I love being a part of a church that's as generous as you guys. You guys are so awesome. I've been in churches that aren't, and so I recognize it when I see it. So you guys keep it up. Stay on mission for God. Let's make a difference in this community. Hey, if you guys need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We'd love to pray with you. Can't wait to hang out with you guys next week at 9, 30, or 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.